We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the show. AFR.net is our website. AFR.net is our website. We try to make it easy to remember. AFR.net is the URL. The American Family Radio app is available on your smartphone, on your tablet device, wherever you have an app store. Just type in American Family Radio, or you can type in AFR and download the app. takes you just a couple minutes, and you can access the core and other great shows and content there on the app. So the website and the app, two ways for you to listen. Another thing I want to tease you about, you know, we've been talking about this streaming platform, which is live now. You can go to streaming.afa.net. You can stream Video stream archive content there on the streaming platform. We are still working on the live feature option, the live streaming option, so you can go and watch archived content there on the streaming platform, streaming.afa.net. Another cool feature we're working on alongside the live streaming feature on our video platform is we are working on the uh, CarPlay app for your smartphone. Or it's called Android Auto if you have an Android device. So there's CarPlay and there's Android Auto. CarPlay is the Apple software. CarPlay, uh, I'm sorry, Android Auto is the Android uh, version of, of the Apple's CarPlay. So you got two different variations there. So we're building those out so that eventually you can uh, pair up your phone with your brand new vehicle's dashboard and click on the AFR app on your dashboard of your vehicle and listen that way. So that, uh, what does that do there? It breaks down the barrier of having to have an FM radio tower in your area. All you got to do is have internet. You got, uh, you got your phone, you have your car, your dashboard. These are on the newer model vehicles. You got your dashboard, and then you have the app there on the dashboard. You just tap on the AFR icon, and then you can stream podcast live you can listen to it all there on the on the dashboard of your vehicle so that's what we're working on building out now i actually got a demo version on my phone here that i've got to try on uh on on someone's vehicle who has the who has the nice fancy dashboard see my truck doesn't have the fancy carplay capability um so i'm gonna have to borrow somebody else's vehicle and get that whole fancy dashboard where you click all the buttons on the screen and get your carplay version uh, app up and running. So I'm going to try it out for myself. I have the, the beta version here on my phone. So that's just a little uh, teaser there, a little announcement of some things that we're working on here to be released in the future. Uh, scripture for the week, Psalm chapter 15. Psalm chapter 15. I want to encourage you, our audience, to go read Psalm chapter 15. David leads the, the chapter by saying, verse 1, O Lord, who shall dwell 
in your tent? Who shall travel to your tent? And he says, who shall dwell on your holy hill? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? Well, here's going to be my challenge for you. I'm not going to make it as easy as I usually do. I want you, the audience, to go read chapter 15 of Psalm and find out for yourself who it is that dwells on God's holy hill. Chapter 15, verse 2 through 5, will tell you detail by detail the type of character, the type of characteristics or the type of traits that a person has that dwells on God's holy hill. Psalm chapter 15, if you want to dwell on God's holy hill, as the psalmist writes, then uh, go read verse 2 through 5 in Psalm chapter 15. That's my challenge for you today. The um, Let's see, moving into a article I want to bring our attention to. I came across this today, and I shared it with our staff. I was writing a blog this morning, finishing up a blog for our website, for our website, afa.net, that'll be published in the coming days. But I looked up quotes from my grandfather, Don Wobbling, and I came across one, and it was fascinating because these quotes were on all different kinds of websites. So these were not just from our website, from afa.net. These were quotes from uh, various websites. Some of them were these websites that have quotes from well-known people. And you can just kind of filter through and click who the author is or who set, who who it's attributed to. And so I started searching for Don Wildman quotes, which is my grandfather. I came across this quote without context, all right? So I just had the quote and then my grandfather's name attributed to the quote. And then uh, here's the quote, and then I'll give you the context after the fact. America desperately needs a moral rebirth. We need to implore God's blessings on our country and ask him to forgive our sinfulness and restore our moral perspective. End quote. So that was a quote I came across, attributed to my grandfather, Don Wildman, AFA's founder. Well, what's the context, you ask? Well, I'm so glad that you asked that. <laughs> The context is the National Day of Prayer in 2006. The National Day of Prayer in 2006 happens every year. And so my grandfather was at this National Day of Prayer in 2006. He was at the National Day of Prayer in the year 2006. The date was May 4th. The theme of that year was America, honor God. So America, honor God was the theme, a focus uh, based on the Old Testament scripture found in 1 Samuel 2.30. Those who honor me, I will honor. The observance on that year in the nation's capital will feature, or did feature, an address by well-known Christian author and pastor Dr. Henry Blackaby in the song America Honor God, performed by Christian artist Rebecca St. James. Many of you 
are familiar with uh, Rebecca St. James and her music. The uh, National Day of Prayer chairman for that year was none other than Shirley Dobson, the wife of Dr. James Dobson, good friends of the ministry here, still good friends of the ministry here at American Family Radio. You can hear James Dobson's show still on the network here at American Family Radio. Not much has changed, um, ironically, since 2006. So I thought that would uh, encourage you a little bit, but I was... As I was looking up quotes from my grandfather, I came across this news story. This news story actually put out by our very own news service, now called American Family News, by our very own Jody Brown, who's still on our news team here at American Family Association. So pretty pretty neat context, pretty neat quote, and National Day of Prayer still going on in Washington, D.C. We've been a part of it, AFA, and my father and grandfather have been a part of it several times over the years in our nation's capital. So to end, uh, once again, on my grandfather's quote from uh, 2006, very, very applicable today. America desperately needs a moral rebirth. We need to implore God's blessings on our country and ask him to forgive our sinfulness and restore our moral perspective. Sounds a little bit like what we talk about on the core. Uh, Boy, how things really don't change that much. The old saying, there's nothing new under the sun, is uh, quite accurate, quite accurate uh, when you look at, at our country and and the issues that we deal with in this country. My brother Wesley will be on with us next segment. We're going to talk a little bit about the first four commandments in Scripture, the first, the first four commandments of ten in uh, the book of Exodus. So we'll talk about that uh, next segment. Stay tuned for that. Into the news of the day. The Biden administration is set to release 1 million barrels of oil daily from the U.S. reserves. So the U.S. has oil reserves, energy reserves, that are intended for times of crisis and war. When we have a hurricane that slams the Gulf Coast and disables oil rigs off the, the, uh, off the Gulf Coast, in the Gulf of Mexico, that's a context for releasing oil reserves. Uh, when you go to war, when America goes to war with a country like Saudi Arabia, should we ever? Um, Canada, God forbid, our ally, are another major producer of energy that we rely on. That's uh, what the uh, U.S. strategic oil reserve is for, and you could lay out other scenarios where we could tap into the oil reserve, but, you know, we really shouldn't have to tap into the oil reserve, at least on a recurring basis, on a frequent basis. But that's exactly what we're doing. So, you know, it wouldn't be fair for me to criticize President Biden and his administration for simply tapping into the U.S. strategic oil reserve supply. In general, in general, it's not a bad idea. That's what it's there for. But what this administration is doing now, we're going on at least round two, if not round three, of dipping into the oil reserves in the last 12 months. But it's really not because of the Russia-Ukraine conflict. It's really not. As much as they want to make it about that, it's really not, to be honest with you. Well, Walker... Why are they dipping into the oil reserves? The reason they're dipping into the U.S. strategic oil supply 
is because the Biden administration put a halt on all new federal leases for oil companies, for energy companies. And then Jen Psaki comes back to me and says, well, we, there are 9,000 leases available that have already been granted, 9,000 permits that have already been granted by the federal government to companies, to drilling companies, oil companies all around the country. Yes, that's true. But as others have noted, that doesn't mean that all 1,000, all 9,000 are operational or have oil. You know, it's, it's some of it's a guessing game to a certain extent as far as which area, which region has oil and which area doesn't. But also, in addition to the pause on new leases, the Biden administration has been under, has been taking a full-on war approach on the oil companies. They have been discouraging the, the drilling, the fracking, and the production of, of, of more oil in this country from day one in their administration. They have said, Elizabeth Warren and others have said, they want to take on the oil companies. John Kerry, same thing. We want to take on the oil companies. Bernie Sanders has gone as far to say we need to, and, and the, Joe Biden has said the same thing during the campaign, we need, we need to criminally prosecute the oil companies, because what they'll say is, well, oil is bad for the environment, and these companies are knowingly damaging our environment by fracking and drilling more oil. That's what they'll say. That's their talking points. We know that's not true. We know that oil and natural gas and other forms of energy from this planet are some of the most clean forms of energy. And mining the lithium-ion mineral from the Earth involves absolutely destroying hundreds of thousands of acres of land. So there is nothing noble or moral about digging for lithium. It's absolutely not a moral cause. The last thing I'll mention is... We need to stop releasing our strategic oil supply and instead start more drilling on our homeland. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Anyone notice a pattern here? Grace, mercy, and love all require truth. It is unloving to conceal or sidestep truth. Often, people avoid truth and use love as a justification, when in reality, their truth aversion is a self-preservation tactic. You cannot claim to love someone and simultaneously affirm them in a lie. The absence of truth nullifies the application of grace. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. 
When your girl plays dress up, does she run around the house proclaiming how pretty she looks? I can almost hear the undeniable sound of plastic high heels on the floors just thinking about it. Dress up can be such a sweet experience, but if you aren't careful, it can lead to a skewed sense of self-worth in her later years. Next time she digs out the ball gowns and accessories, shift the focus from the beauty achieved by dressing up and instead reframe the experience as being fancy. She's always beautiful because God made everyone that way. But when she dresses up, she's being fancy. See what you get there? You affirmed her God-given worth and beauty and took away the requirement of dressing up to get there. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Here's some great news. If you missed the deadline to sign up for health insurance, or if like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than $4 billion of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high-cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating, and you are invited to be part of it. Call now. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core. I'm Walker Wildman. Glad you're on the show with us. One uh, thing to wrap up the whole topic on Biden and him dipping into the strategic oil supply, the strategic oil reserve. Here is my prediction. And I've made a couple on the show. Here's my prediction in the next, in the next well, this year, 2022 prediction, is that the Biden administration will release is enough strategic oil from the reserve to keep prices at a moderate level, all right, around three bucks a gallon, maybe four on a bad day. And they'll do so, they'll do so all the way until November. November 2022. Well, what's in November of 2022? Yes, it is Thanksgiving, but it's also the month that we have a midterm election. And I will just mark my words. They're going to release this oil a little bit at a time. Oh, the evil oil. They're going to release it up until the midterms, keep prices at a moderate level, try not to make the Democrats look bad. After that, friends, it's going to be, we're going to be on our own. No more strategic oil re- uh, releases. Instead, uh, here's what the Biden administration is telling you and I to do. This is clip one. This is the ed- uh, energy secretary telling us, just buy an electric vehicle. My favorite thing ab- about this is that the if you drive an electric vehicle, especially when you consider these outrageous gas prices today, if you drive, if you have a 15 gallon tank, which is the average size of a tank today, and you went to fill it up on average, if you had the, paid the average gas price across the country, which is about three dollars and eighty cents, you'd be paying fifty four bucks to fill up your tank. That's fifty four bucks. If you had an electric vehicle, 
that would take you the same distance, about 300 miles, and you plugged it in at home, it would cost you about 12 bucks. 54 versus 12. That is a huge savings every time you fill up your car. So I'm just saying that the, the, the movement to electrifying our transportation system, to resolving greenhouse gas emissions and climate change, and it will also put money in people's pockets. And that's very exciting, too. Wesley, welcome to the show. And don't you just have $60,000 sitting around to drop on a brand new Tesla? So much for speaking to the middle class. Good night, these people. You know, also, too, one thing she blew right by, blew right by, she just assumed that we could all afford that for one. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, too, that... um, that, that that they assume that we are not going to ask the question about who's responsible for the price gases going up. Good point. She just she just jumps right in there. Oh, well, here we are. This is bad deal. Here we're, we're going to fix it. And they're like, wait a minute. How do we get here? Let's ask the question. Why do we got you know three, four, five dollar gas prices in some places? You know, my my gas uh, budget now for my truck is a little over doubled. Of what it was. I know your truck, and yeah. you have a pretty decent-sized tank. Real big tank, yep. You're you're at least paying $90, if not over 100 No, mine's $130. $130? <laughs> mine's $130. It is. You, it is how many gas? You have pretty – you got a big tank. I got a – I do – I have an, an extra one-and-a-half time tank compared mm-hmm. to most trucks. So, yes, yeah. yeah, so $130. Uh, quick quick uh, money saver, my wife and I are always on a – Are you biking? Are you biking out of work? No, but here's a, here's a, here's a way – do we budget and we, you know, we try to find ways to use coupons or whatever. But if you, we go to Kroger. So if you go to Kroger and you buy gift cards from Kroger, you get fuel points. So mm-hmm. we bought gift cards, Visa gift cards, got the fuel points and turned around and used the gift cards to buy our groceries. So then we got a dollar off of our gas. Just a quick nice. Now, this is not a financial episode here, but you yeah. brought it up. And anyway, so I could speak about that, about how to save money. Yeah, at, there's at there's creative time. ways to save money for uh, sure. Nonetheless, back to your point in the clip, and Biden administration is 100% responsible in the problem for uh, our economic crisis right now. And also, too, in, in the event that we could buy your ordinary layper, you know, uh, middle class could buy a sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 electric vehicle in the event that they could. I can't, I couldn't afford that. We've got three kids, yeah. two of them are in school, you know, couldn't do that right now. However, if you could, that still doesn't solve the problems of all the other price gouging or price inflations of, and all products across all the board yes. and all things. So that's not going to, that's not releasing gonna, oil is not going to help your grocery prices per se. No, no. So there's a lot more problems here, and and that's just way out of order. That's that just makes you for anybody that follows this stuff on a daily or weekly basis like we do. We when we hear that we go. It'll come make on. you mad. Yeah, that's because they, a they joke. assume we're stupid. Yeah, that's just a joke. Good so. point. Hey, uh, let's jump into we we opened the can last yep. uh, on Tuesday last time you were on the show. Let's uh, continue this discussion. On the Ten Commandments. Okay, we were not. We gave a ten-minute introduction to why we need the commandments mm-hmm. and why they're of value to the Christian individually, to the family, to the church, and to the government. We already went over that. Where can they go back to listen to the ten-minute intro to what we're about to talk about? Yes, that show was the March twenty-ninth edition of the Core, which was two days ago, Tuesday, March twenty-ninth. You and I had a about a fifteen-minute discussion on. 
uh, opening up the discussion on the Ten Commandments. And they can go to AFR.net, is that correct? That's right. Go to AFR.net, go to the podcast page there at AFR.net, and you go to the March 29th show, and then you can listen to that. So that's why we're going to make a hard dive straight to the First Commandment. So the First Commandment reads this. First Commandment reads this. It says, You shall not have you shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. And, Walker, one of the things that we can take away from the implication here, or we have to ask ourselves what's the principle here, and that's that we have the right to worship God. We have the right to worship God. And in order for the government to fulfill their God-given purpose and their responsibility, they should protect people's right to worship God. We should have that right, and it should be protected by government. Hmm. And in the event that a partic- that a government or an individual, uh, a corporation or somebody outside would infringe on that right to worship God, we have learned and we know from the Scriptures, and especially specifically New Testament, that at that point we should obey God rather than man. But looking at this, we know now just from the first commandment alone that as Christians— as believers, we have the right to worship God. Now, that doesn't mean the government should coerce you to worship God right. or force you to worship God, but they should protect your right and your liberty to worship God. So uh, a few other things that we can take away from the first commandment, and that is that uh, that we see that the purpose— then we have to ask ourselves the next question, then what's the purpose of government, okay? Mm-hmm. And the purpose of government— uh, is uh, there's about four or five primary reason things here that they do, and one is to protect the uh, Ten Commandments, so that's number one. But also to uphold and to praise that which is good, and to punish or uh, provide consequences to that which is evil. Yes. And we get that from Romans chapter one. First Peter two also teaches us the importance of how they bring about peace. Mm. Um. So uh, so government government is not intended. God did not create government to be an amoral agent, meaning. They just kind of just exist, and they don't really promote anything good or bad. They just they're just kind of there, even though you really you in society you have to pick sides. There's right. no really way to ride the fence. But government, Wesley, is intended by God to promote good and punish evil. Yeah, and to drill down just another layer there. Um, oftentimes, when we look at again, I mentioned this in our setting up the Ten Commandments, but so many times we'll look at things like this and say, well, this prohibits me from doing something, therefore it's bad. Yeah. But in reality, the uh, the government actually should is responsible for protecting life, for protecting your individual liberty, my individual liberty. Yes. Uh, Marty, our producer's individual liberty, mm-hmm. and those and the listening audience, uh, also to uh, protect property. Mm, good um, point. Which is huge. Private property. Private property. You get that from uh, the role of the government to protect it. Now yeah. it doesn't. Now remember, God. We just learned this from the first commandment. He gives us the right to do it, hmm. but they're responsible for protecting that right for us so yeah. that it's not infringed upon. Wesley, well, th- before we move on to the second commandment, this is why everyone has a has a very hard time removing with the idea of removing God from government. Right. Removing God from our laws, from our from our constitution, from our history books. People who say, let's just wipe God, let's just remove God from everything. Yeah. But then but then we come back and say, well, well, government's supposed to promote good, according to Scripture, sure. and punish evil. Yeah. You, you, can't, you, you can't separate the two. If you separate the two, the government will then do the opposite. They will promote evil, whatever they view 
as good in their eyes, and they'll punish the Christian. And they'll take away, you'll see in uh, communist countries, China and other places, uh, India, I've visited there, they actually take away your property, and they use it at their convenience for, quote, the better good, right? Yeah. And so that's where you lose your property rights. So Hmm. uh, certainly want to uphold and know our first uh, commandment, which also our founders used as a premise to uh, understand the the idea that we have the right, the individual right to worship God, and that at the end of the day we should obey God rather than man. Mm. Uh, commandment number two, and we'll speed up because I really want to get to number four and spend some time there. Commandment number two says this. It said, you shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness that is on the, that is in the heaven above or on the earth beneath or that is under the water or in, that is in the water under the earth. So the point here is, and we've heard it, you know, so we should not make idols or any image. Mm-hmm. But the question then we ask ourselves, then what is the specific duties that we are given in scriptures and ways to worship God? Well, Walker, you know, looking at this from the scriptures, there's so many different ways in the New Testament and the Old Testament that God commands us to worship God. One of the ways, and you can kind of fill in here, I'll just list off a couple, but mm-hmm. we are to worship God in our thanksgiving we're supposed to worship God by evangelizing and discipleship. We should ev- we should also worship God in our prayers. We should worship God in our communion. And uh, the other one that comes to mind, we should worship God in the gathering of the saints, yes. in the gathering of church and believers. So we are commanded here, we see here, that we are to worship God and not make any other idols. So therefore, we know that we see that we have that right to worship God and not to forsake the gathering of believers. Now, commandment number three is a little bit more challenging to un- to kind of unfold and pick apart to kind of get the principles and the application for us that we have today. And I'll read commandment number three for us. It says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will, will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Mm. And uh, I just uh, want to say here for just a moment that when I hear someone take the Lord's name in vain, um, when they do so, I guess with a, some sort of a sense of a um, not understanding the value, the depth of it yeah. is one thing. But also, too, there's so many people that do it intentionally, mm. and they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And um, I just want to caution us, you know, to be careful, not just the obvious ones, you know, we won't we won't go over the list on radio, yeah. um, but we know what they are, and if you need to look them up, you can. But uh, the obvious ones we know, but also just the idea in general of making little of God and and making little of His names, specifically the ones that are used in Scripture. Yeah, one thing uh, how I explain it, uh, for example, if I'm talking to my kids, um, use the name of the Lord in ways that are honorable. Mm-hmm. that are respectful to his name and his authority. If it's not honorable, if it's used in a bad context, then don't use it at all. Yeah, exactly. And while this while this particular commandment prohibits us from blaspheming and using the Lord's name in vain, it also guarantees us the right to have free speech. And so from the third commandment, we do get an overflow of the thought of free speech there. Now, obviously, there are some limitations. While we may be free to use any other speech, the Bible is very clear, especially in the New Testament and Colossians chapter, I believe it's Col- yeah, Colossians chapter 4 and Philippians chapter 4. It both t- teaches us that while we have the freedom and the protection of speech, that we should all you always use our speech 
to be wholesome speech, that should be uplifting speech, and it and it speaks against lying. Yeah. So lying is not an option. Yeah. Uh, even though we don't. So yeah, scripture, the apostles and other other writers expound on what is appropriate speech and what is not appropriate mm-hmm. speech. And I think it was, uh, I believe it was Paul, maybe one of the other writers that talks about how. Uh, all things may be permissible or all things That's are permissible, right. but not all things are beneficial. beneficial. Right. Um, so we have the right. So we have freedom of speech that flows from the concept of the third third commandment. Within that, though, we understand the whole counsel of God and that we should also use our speech to be honest, hmm. to be encouraging, to be uplifting, to correct, to train, to teach. And so that's what we get. And that's why it's so important that we have that we do not move past season, which is why we here at AFA, if you were to come visit out in the front of our building, we have a plaque of the Ten Commandments because we hold these things of great value. God, we mentioned the other day, wrote these with his finger on in stone. Hmm. Then Jesus turned around on the Sermon of Mount, them. used them. Hmm. And so it's important for us to remember these. And uh, we're scratching the surface here, but for time's sake, we'll move on to our final commandment that we're going to cover here during this segment, and that's our fourth commandment, Walker. And there's just a lot to be said here. The fourth commandment says this, that um, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it is a Sabbath day to the Lord to the, to the Lord your God. So the important here that I want to point out here is that I just find it so crazy that we have to, this is the one thing that is forgotten about, that we have to be reminded to rest. Mm. <laughs> Think about that for a second. God, we forget that. God himself gave us the idea of resting, not mm. laziness, Yeah. because in order to rest, that implies that you have work. Yeah. So God implies here in the fourth commandment that you should work, and you mm. should work to provide for your family. The New Testament teaches that if you don't work, shouldn't eat. Shouldn't eat. Yeah. And so the fourth commandment implies to us that we should work, we should labor, we benefit from our labor, our family benefits from our labor. There's great reward and success. Proverbs goes on and on about the value that we get from working hard. Mm. Um, but at the same time, as we work hard, we don't want to work so hard that we depend. We begin to depend upon ourselves as to be the provider for all our things. But as Christians, we understand that God's our provider, and that we should take that day of rest. You know, for people, it varies throughout the week. Uh, some people have to work on Sundays for a unique situation. But remember, Hobby Lobby, Chick-fil-A, a lot of these companies that are closed on Sundays benefit from that. So I encourage you to rest. Find a day to rest throughout the week. Amen. Thank you, Wesley. AFA at the core. Anyone who says the Ten Commandments are not relevant, boy, are they a fool. The Ten Commandments are more relevant, are as relevant today as they've ever been. We'll be back in a few minutes. Oh, Lord, please let me make it. Please, Lord. Come on, come on. American Family Association or American Family Radio. I missed the show again. Can't find the time to catch the live shows? No worries. Wait, what? You can listen and download all your favorite shows for free. For free? That's right, for free. Just visit the podcast page on AFR.net. Lord. AFR.net. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. 
This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. thegodwhospeaks.org Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. I know we're all praying for Ukraine, and Eastern Europe is a part of the world where Bible League has a very strong presence. In nearby Albania, Pastor Ephraim is preaching away one Sunday. There's a ruckus at the door. Who is it? 20 militant Muslims. They storm the pulpit, drag this man down the aisle. His family, many in the church who are new converts, are just horrified. They take this man to the front lawn where they beat him nearly to death. You know what his crime is? Very simply, that he has been patiently and winsomely sharing Christ with Muslims and atheists and they are coming to place their faith in Jesus Christ. But the leaders in those uh, movements are not happy. You know when I ask him, how can we pray for you, brother? He did not say, pray for an end to our suffering. He says, pray that we'll see those around us as the mission field and more will come to Christ. $5 sends a Bible, $100 sends 20 to Eastern Europe today. Call 800-YES-WORD, 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 or give it sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. The family is under attack like never before. That's why American Family Association presents the 2022 Marriage Family Life Conference, July 7th through the 9th. Equip your family and strengthen your faith with Abraham Hamilton III. Your wife's conduct is not contingent to your responsibility to worship God and serving her. Well, Abe, I don't feel like she loves me. So what? Set your affections. Ginger Hubbard. Our children need to have confidence that our word is our word. And when they have that confidence, it actually brings a sense of security to their lives. And Bishop E.W. Jackson. It strikes me that right now what we need in the United States of America is a revival of the word of God. We need to put the word of God back central in the lives of our people again. The Youth Apologetics track is also back this year. The 2022 Marriage Family Life Conference, July 7th through the 9th at the Bancorp South Arena in Tupelo, Mississippi. Find out more and register now at marriagefamilylife.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. AFR.net is our website. We have the AFR app available for your smartphone, for your tablet device as well. You know, I've been in the book of Psalm for going on a couple months now. We're in chapter 15, and I do a chapter a week, so 15 weeks. But I came across this week Psalm 100. Psalm 100. And we've heard the saying uh, encouraging people to be happy warriors. And you'll hear pastors talk about this. Well, where is that in Scripture, you say? Well, it's in Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Listen to this. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Psalm 100. Psalm 100 is our challenge, our encouragement to be happy Christians to be joyful believers. 
And we can find reasons to be unhappy. We can find excuses to not have joy. But despite our situations, our circumstances, what we're going through in our life, in our family, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our grandparenting, in our work environment, in our local church assembly environment, the list goes on. We need to have joy like Psalm 100 outlines. Psalm 100, his steadfast love endures forever. So that's my uh, extra encouragement for you today. Back into our headlines for the day. Uh, Speaking of being a happy warrior, this this is what led me to Psalm 100. This is a... Article out of the Christian Post, it is in regards to a member of the Finnish parliament. Many of you have probably heard this story in recent weeks, but listen to this. A Christian politician in Finland who faces the possibility of six years in prison for sharing her deeply held biblical beliefs on sexuality and marriage says it's, quote, quite a privilege to be interrogated for her religious beliefs. Well, what happened to this member of the uh, Finnish member of the parliament there in Finland? She, this lady, Pavi or Pavi Rasanen, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, she was interrogated by police for over 13 hours and questioned on how she interprets the Apostle Paul's Letters in the Bible, she was questioned on that. She will appear in court on next Monday over criminal charges for voicing her belief on marriage and sexuality. She authored a 2004 booklet on sexual ethics describing marriages between one man and one woman. She also expressed her views in a 2019 radio show and tweeted church leadership uh, on the matter. So she put out statements, public statements, affirming God's design for human sexuality. The police come to interrogate her, and she's set to appear in court next. Uh, well, this this is dated back in January, so this this is uh, the court appearance has already occurred. But she goes on to say, "Listen to this. Talk about Psalm 100 being a happy Christian, being a joyful believer." She said, "Quote: I thought it was quite a privilege." To have these kinds of discussions with the police, end quote. <laughs> Sounds like the Apostle Paul finding joy in his imprisonment. She says it was quite a privilege to be able to witness to the police. Good for her. Very good outlook on life, yeah, considering the circumstance that she's in. Good for her. We need to be more like her. Moving uh, to a couple other stories. Came across um, this story out of Arizona. So we have a governor's race, or as the politicians call it, a gubernatorial race there in the state of Arizona. Well, the current governor is Governor Doug Ducey. So I've got two stories here regarding the current governor and then someone who's running for governor. Both very encouraging stories. Well, Governor Doug Ducey, the current Arizona governor, He signed a couple pieces of legislation into law this week 
some uh, very encouraging. One, one of the bills pertained to transgenderism, and uh, this bill, now law, prevents biological males from competing in girl sports. Another bill restricts adults from transitioning minors into a member of the opposite sex. And we know that transition from a scientific, from a medical, from a biological standpoint, it just can't happen. You can't change your sex no matter how many surgeries or hormones you have. Your chromosomes are set from conception, and there's no changing it. There's no changing it despite what you do. So he signed two bills, one of them preventing uh, men from cheating and uh, competing against girls in women's sports. The other legislation prevents adults, parents, guardians, from uh, coercing and forcing a minor uh, into hormone treatment and sex change surgery and all this very dark, disgusting stuff. Uh, that's what the two pieces of legislation do, uh, now law, in the state of Arizona. So there are my encouragement for you today. I've just got a lot of encouragement today. It is a sunny Thursday. <laughs> uh, my encouragement is that, as I mentioned, there are good people, not just the governor. This bill had to have been passed by the legislature, both chambers in Arizona. There are good people doing good things in this country. And to extend that farther, there are good people doing good things around the world, including the Finnish parliament member who just said she's joyed, basically, that she's being questioned over her religious beliefs, over her Christianity. She's joyed to be being interrogated uh, by uh, law enforcement. So good stuff out of Arizona there. The other story I wanted to mention is this uh, a pledge by a... Uh, uh, Governor or gubernatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, she's running for governor there in Arizona. And um, so she's running. Uh, I'm not sure if, if Ducey's uh, resigning, retiring, or he's running against this lady. Really not sure. I'm not up to speed enough in Arizona to know that. But nonetheless, I do know that Carrie Lake is a, a gubernatorial can candidate on the Republican side there in the state of Arizona. She vowed Wednesday, should she become governor, to declare the border crisis on the southern border a, quote, invasion and deploy troops, National Guard troops, to the U.S.-Mexico border. So good for her. And you notice how everyone wants to send our troops to all kinds of other countries to protect other people's borders and other countries' sovereignty. But when it comes to sending troops to our very own border to protect against vicious cartels, human smuggling, sex trafficking, drug smuggling, when it comes to that, everybody starts making excuses. Oh, we can't do that. We can't deploy troops on American soil. We can't we we, we can't send the, we don't have the money to send the National Guard to the border. Yada, yada, yada. They come up with all kind of excuses. We shouldn't do that. That's mean. We shouldn't arrest people on the border, so on and so forth. You can find a hundred different excuses. But the reality is, is what's going on in our country 
is not much different than what happens in other countries that we go over to protect. That we go over to protect. And, and you can't say, well, well, uh, we're going to protect Ukraine's borders and, and they're at war and that's different. It's a different situation. It's a different scenario. Well, a little bit. But you talk to people who have run-ins with the cartels. You talk to border agents about how violent the cartels are, how they have corrupted the Mexican government, it is a very, very dark thing. And so we don't need to look at our border and think we've got it made down there. And then they they try to tell us, well, it's just families and kids. Families and kids crossing the border, that's it. That's not true. That's a flat-out lie. Are there some moms and kids crossing the border? Yeah, there's some. But it's also military-age males from Turkey. Military-age males from Saudi Arabia. Military-age males from Iraq, Afghanistan, and other countries. There's also uh, Iranian nationals crossing our southern border. So there's a lot going on on our southern border. The overarching point here, if we can't protect our own borders, and when I say protect, I don't mean just have warm bodies down there handing out bottles of water. I'm talking about protect. I'm talking about preventing people from entering and those who enter get apprehended and deported quicker than I can do a radio show. You get arrested, you get processed, you get put on the bus, you get taken to the airport, you get put on an airplane, and you get flown about a 1,000 miles into Mexico, and you get dropped off. And if we want to go farther, I'll pay for it. If we want to go farther, go beyond Mexico, uh, go very down... The tip of South America, we could do that too, just to make it harder to get back. Um, and then tell these countries, look, you're taking your people back. If you're going to send your people here illegally and Mexico, you're going to let them tre- trek through your country, you guys aren't getting any money from us. We're not paying you billions of dollars in foreign aid to send us your criminals, to send us your citizens. All right? And uh, for those out there saying, well, not all are criminals. Yes, they are. You cross the border illegal, my friend, that's a criminal. All right? They may not have a criminal background from their origin country, but they got one when they cross this country, when they cross this border. So the whole, you know, some some are criminals, some aren't. Remember, everybody got all up in arms because President Trump said they're not sending us their finest. They're not. They're not. Because you can't trespass into another country disobey our laws, be here illegally, earn a living illegally, not pay taxes, and then expect us to treat you as some moral, noble, virtuous person. That's not how it works. You don't get to go to the grocery store and then you cut line and then act as if you're the victim. That's not how it works. Not to mention the complete injustice that takes place when people from other countries go to the local U.S. embassy, fill out all the proper paperwork needed to legally immigrate into this country, and guess what happens? Their application gets put at the very back of the line. They have to wait years and years for a response from the U.S. government. Why? Because we only allow a certain amount, even though we're the most generous, of legal immigrants into this country but we let a million come over illegally from the southern border. It's a complete injustice. It's unfair to the rule followers. 
All right, so there is nothing about what is going on at our southern border that is right, just, or fair. And that's why also I have very little tolerance, very little openness to the entire amnesty discussion. Because you just can't reward bad behavior. Well, the bad behavior took place 20 years ago, Walker. They've been in this country 20 years. Okay, but the crime has been committed, folks. The crime has been committed, and the only way for this country to have sovereignty at our borders and a respect for the rule of law when it comes to immigration is to start over fresh. If you're here illegally, you have to go back, and, 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 I'm, not, and, and I'm not even going to say, and I'm sorry about that. If you enter this country through an illegal fashion, then you have to go back and start over. This is what we do in kindergarten class. If you cut line, but you've already got your cup of ice cream that you were waiting in line for, you got to start over. You're not going to get to enjoy the society. You're not going to get to enjoy the dessert with all of your other classmates when you're the one that cut line. And this sounds, you, you would tell this to some people and they would say, wow, you sure are evil. You are mean-spirited, they'll tell you. And they will guilt trip Christians into fumbling over ourselves and going, no, 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 I promise I'm a loving person. I promise. I've worked at the at the local shelter and I've given blankets to illegal immigrants. I am a big-hearted person. We have to fumble over ourselves apologizing because other people did bad things. That's not just. That's not right. That's not biblical. The biblical thing to do, the just thing to do, is for people who are here illegally to go back to their country of origin, go back to their home country, and start the legal paperwork process to come into this country. Boy, do I sound like Donald J. Trump. (laughs) A lot of this, he championed. Good for him. AFA at the core. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Faith.